Welcome to your Wednesday Strip Sports Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. A lot to get to in just a moment here. I'll be joined by Marcus Felino from the Minnesota Wild. Really fun interview. Enjoy getting to know Marcus a little bit better. Having a really nice season for uh, for the Wild, and Wild has a big game tonight uh, against Vegas, and uh, so good to talk to him. Really good also to talk to Sarah McClellan from the Star Tribune uh, for some more Wild talk right after that Marcus Felino interview. So going deep on the Wild today, uh, probably the most uh, you know the most interesting team in town right now, at least in terms of a positive direction. But first, what did I miss? Well, you haven't missed it yet. Um, and we're not sure exactly what's going to happen, but tonight very well could be the final game of the Richard Patino coaching tenure with the Gophers men's basketball team. Minnesota plays Northwestern opening round of the Big Ten tournament, the 13 versus 12 game. Not a spot anybody thought the Gophers would be in a couple of months ago. Certainly not Patino when they got up to such a hot start, beating a lot of ranked teams, including Michigan. Iowa, Ohio State, you know, just off to a, a really good start. Injuries, of course, a told part of the story. It sounds like Gabe Kalsher and Liam Robbins won't play again in Wednesday night's game. So we'll see. We'll see what happens in this game, and we'll see what happens with, with his future. Um, he, he, Patino was actually pretty candid about this. I thought that was interesting in uh, his Tuesday media availability. Let's, let's play a clip from that just because you don't usually hear coaches speak this candidly about you know any kind of looming job situation yeah I mean I'm, I'm reminded every two seconds that I'm not going to be back here right so uh, you know I still have hope I still believe uh, you know but I certainly I'm a human being and certainly uh, understand that, that that is an option especially if he is let go um, soon after after this season ends I want you to to read Megan Ryan's story in uh, today's StarTribune.com. All white leadership in the Gophers athletic department. The lead kind of says it all. I'm going to read from it directly. The University of Minnesota has gone 14 years without hiring a person of color as a head coach and remains the only Big Ten institution without a single person of color in the role of president, athletic director, or head coach. This is a much longer story than, than just that. A lot of nuance to it, a lot of good um, interviewing in it, but the, the, you know, the fact of it is laid bare in the first paragraph. Basketball coach is an opportunity to change that, right? If they change coaches with Patino, I know a lot of the prominent names listed early on, at least, the Brian Dutchers of the world, they are not people of color. But we will see if they change that during this hiring process. I'm not sure they will. I hope at the very least that this that this statistic that I that I just read uh, that I'm not reading that again you know in two or three years that something has changed at that point. I'm Nyla Jean Myers, senior assistant sports editor at the Star Tribune. Thank you for listening to Strip Sports Daily Delivery. This work is made possible by our Star Tribune subscribers. For unlimited access to the articles mentioned in this podcast and our coverage of Minnesota sports from pros to preps, go to StarTribune.com/slash/subscribe. Really happy right now to welcome Marcus Felino to the podcast. Marcus, welcome to Daily Delivery. How are you today? Good, good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, seven goals already this season, Marcus. You're on pace for a career high, even in this shortened year. How, how do you explain the uh, the offensive burst to this point this season? Um, I don't know, really. I mean, sometimes you get bounces in, in, in a year, but I feel like you know this year just things are working, things are going in. I've been having some chemistry with some, some line mates from last year that are trickled over into this season now. And, um, 
Um, just maybe shooting a little more when I get that shot. It's, it's been going in for myself, but, uh, you know, I like to think that it's just, you know, kind of comes from the, the simplicity of my game and the work ethic. And it's been nice to be rewarded. And sometimes you're not always rewarded, but, uh, I think for this year, just to try to with that consistent play all year, it's, uh, you know, you're bound to get some chances and right now it's been going in. So it's been nice to contribute. 30% shooting percentage. If you can keep that up the rest of the year, <laughs> I think you'd take that, right? Uh, if I get one empty night of game, it's going in. So that's a good thing. <laughs> I love it. Um, now the game against Vegas last week, Wednesday, you guys lose the lead late. You got the Zach Parisi healthy scratch. I made a big deal of it. I think some other people did too, wondering if that could be a negative turning point in the season. As a leader on this team, such as you are, how did you approach that situation as it you know pertained to keeping the locker room and the season on track? Yeah, I mean, it's always a tough decision. I mean, uh, Zach has been, you know, such a big face for this franchise and, and uh, a big player for us. And, you know, obviously it's been a kind of a frustrating year for himself when it comes to, it comes to kind of production. But, you know, one thing about Zach is his work ethic is always there. And, um, you know, it, it, it rubs off on guys. I think it's uh, something that when I came into Minnesota, um, learned a lot from that, just a consistent play that he's always brought. Um and, you know, it just, it just came from a, a situation where, you know, coaches just wanted to keep guys accountable and, and uh, to keep a room at, at a certain level. And um, whether you, you know, understand it or agree with it or not, uh, it is what it is. And it can happen to Zach. It can happen to a young guy. It can happen to anyone. I think that's what were the message that, you know, is sent. And um, I think it, you know, does it keep you on your toes as a player in general? I think so. And, you know, we, we just moved on as a team after that. I think that was the biggest thing is that, you know, leaders led after that. And, and when Zach got back in the lineup uh, the next game, it was just, you know, back to work. And, um, you know, we had a big win in Phoenix that day when he came back. So it was just something that, you know, th these things happen. And, and um, it's all about how you respond. And, and Zach's the type of person that responds really well. It felt like Monday's win over Vegas was a big deal. Not, that just, not just that you won, but, you know, after – you you know had the overtime loss. You had the loss to them in Vegas, but you also you got the two nothing shutout. You know the the empty net at the end. I know it's just one out of fifty six games this year, but did that feel like a a significant game to you as well? Yeah, it was big for us. I think just the you know the heartbreaker that we lost to them in the first game of the season, just the, the come from behind win that they had, and and then to have a, an okay game and and to be close going in the third, and and then obviously it was a five one or whatever it was that ended up being, but. Uh, you know, we felt like we were right there and, and uh, I, I, we talked about it all year. You know, we don't want to be the, the team that always looks at, you know, a Vegas or a Colorado and says, oh, you know, well, we played pretty well against them, but we didn't get two points, but we're still satisfied. We don't, we don't want to be that team this year. We want to be the team that, you know, teams come in and play us and, you know, have a tough time competing against us and, and, and worrying about, you know, what we're going to be like every night. So um, that's kind of the mentally, you know, the mental aspect of it that we're trying to change. And um, we want to be first place. That's it. Uh, we want to win. We want to win as many games and and have a lot of confidence going into the playoffs. But um, so, to, you know, to be a, a team like Vegas, I know they had, you know, some top players out, but, uh, you know, just to shut them out, Kraken did a great job in that. And uh, really, we just it was a grinding game. But to give up nothing was was a was a big confidence boost for us. You had the Gordie Howe hat trick a couple of weeks ago against San Jose. Is that about as, about as good as it gets for? a player like you, or is that, uh, are there, are there loftier goals be beyond that for you? Yeah, I think the type of player I am, I think that's, that's a hat trick and for some other skilled guys. So, uh, yeah, that's, I mean, that's just, I think when you look at it, it's kind of the complete game. Um, 
way I was brought up and obviously just, you know, watching that type of hockey my whole life. It was, it's when you can do that, I think you tick off a lot of the check out, check marks, a lot of the boxes that uh, are kind of looked at when it comes to big power forward. So, you know, it's, it's, it happens. It's, it's obviously a fight always happens once in a while, but, you know, to contribute to while being physical is something that I take pride in. And um, it's nice to get the, the Gordy Al Hattrick from time to time. Goal assist fight. You even let up on the guy. Uh, you had to on that. <laughs> yeah. I just, you know what? I think when you, I, I fought enough times in this league now, when you grab a hold of someone, you kind of know, you yeah. kind of know if you're in for one and you kind of know if you got a guy. So, <laughs> um, I've been on the receiving end a couple of times and, and you're on the giving end. So it's just one of those things where, um, the respect of the, that, uh, that kind of the job of what, what comes with fighting kind of takes over. And I think when you know you're winning, you, you there's no reason to kind of keep going at the guy. Dean Evison took over last year as head coach, had the interim tag removed. You guys are off to a pretty good start this year. What are the strengths that you've seen from him as a coach that have kind of emerged as he's grown into that role and been put in charge of this team? His communication is, is probably one of the best I've seen. Um, you know, the way he talks to guys and gets to guys. You know, I, I think just his energy, energy level is something that sparks guys and sparks our team. Um, you know, there's been videos of him on the bench when we score, and it looks like he tackles every player or trainer and coaching staff on the bench. So no one's really safe. But it, it just it's just that he's got a lot of passion for coming to the rink every day, and it rubs off on all of us. And, uh, and, and again, you know, with, when it comes to actual coaching, the systems and all that stuff, it's, it's detailed. It's, it's broken down. And he doesn't also hammer us with all this info and all this video and tire us out that way. He knows, he knows to read the room, and, and that's one thing that I think we respond well to, especially having some veterans on our team. Just, you know, you got to understand when to push guys and when to hold off. And it, especially this season with it being so crazy and so many games and little practicing, um, our coaching staff and led by Dino obviously has done a really good job of tweaking their, their kind of approach to it. And, um, you know, right now we're just, we have everyone on the same page and it's been great. And, you know, it starts at the top. You're a little bit behind, uh, uh, Kaprizov in the points race. You have, I think one more goal than he does, but what, what's, what's the ceiling for a player like that? Now that you've got a chance to see him for a little while here. I, I remind him every day until he passes me that I, I got more goals than him, but, uh, uh, he's, he's phenomenal. Honestly, he's, um, I don't think, uh, I'll ever be close like this again to him, um, in points. And I hope that's, that's, that's the case. He just, he's a guy that's going to take off. And I mean, it's his first season and in a season like we're having, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of crazy how, how well he's done. And, um, just something that, uh, he's a guy that just comes to the rink every day and, and, and works hard and, and doesn't take his foot off the gas pedal. It's something that's pretty, pretty spectacular. So, um, He's, he's a guy that's going to be a huge, huge part of our future. You got 10 players on this team with at least four goals, uh, you and Kaprizov among them. What does that tell you about this team? Just how, how much depth, I guess, that you guys have had with the scoring and the balance so far this year? Yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing. I think you look at any team, you know, that's kind of going forward and, and wants success. I think um, the biggest part is the balance. And, and you know, Kev is now, I think, taken off. And, and we saw that, you know, great game by him last game. And, the goals that he can do and the shiftiness that he has. And um, we're getting, you know, production from Greener, Greenway and Joel Erickson Act. And, um, you know, Hart Hartman has been playing great until he got injured a little bit, but we're getting that. And that's what you need. I think moving forward, you know, we're getting a lot of guys, Zuccarello's come in and been lights out for us. So um, it's something that we just need to keep continuing. And um, 
every team I think you look at that that has a chance of winning the Stanley Cup has that depth scoring, and it's something right now that we have on our team. Couple more things for you. Um, you're known as Moose. Maybe you can remind listeners where you got that nickname, and maybe could you assign other animal nicknames to uh, some of your other wild teammates? <laughs> um. Oh man. Uh, yeah. So I got I got the nickname probably from I don't know if it was from my my sisters or someone in my family kind of named it. I think when I was younger, I was uh, uncoordinated. I, I wasn't the Mark Messier moose. I was just uncoordinated like a moose out there. I think I was more on the ice falling down and stuff like that when, when I started playing hockey. So whenever a family would come out and watch me, they always had a good chuckle. So that's where that comes from. So it's not the best moose nickname, but I'll take it. You can be called a lot worse in this league. But uh, oh, man, if I was to assign some other animal nicknames, um, it's actually pretty common. I mean, Jordan Greenway could probably be like a sloth or something, you know, he's just always <laughs> tired and um, he's a couch potato, that guy. So he likes to relax, pick his feet up and not move a lot during the day until he's on the, until he's on the ice. So we could probably give him something like that. And I don't know. I had to think about that one right Jordan now. Jordan Greenway sloth. I like, I like that. The we sloth. Can, we, Jordan <laughs> Greenway, the sloth. Let's, let's make it, uh, let's make that, let's make that one stick. I'm sure he would love, I'm sure he loved that nickname uh, if that became yeah. part of his permanent, uh, permanent game yeah. uh marcus last thing when you're in charge of locker room music what are you most likely to play <laughs> we got well, in the morning I, I i'm always the one that turns it on but i'm a big country guy so the morning we always do country we try to keep it easy and get a little bit of uh country going a little party songs there so nice nice chill morning vibe and then when i get to the rink usually matt dumba takes over right when it gets time to uh to uh get closer to game time but i kind of put on some well, it just depends on what we're doing. Maybe some, we'll put some rock on or we'll end up using probably – there's this mix. I don't know, I think it's called Two Friends or something like that big – some big something mix. And uh, it's a big mashup of all these amazing songs. So we've been listening to that lately, and it's been it's been kind of sparking our win streak. So we're, we've, been, we've been playing that every game. Never mess with the winning streak. That's right. Never That's mess right. with something – something's going right. Well, Marcus Foligno, thank you so much for joining Daily Delivery today. Good luck uh, the rest of the season, Wednesday rematch against Vegas and beyond that. Take care, all right? Thank you very much. Thanks again for having me. Continuing a theme today, a lot of wild talk on today's Daily Delivery podcast. Sarah McClellan, who covers the wild for the Star Tribune, is joining me right now. Interesting team since uh, since we last talked a couple weeks ago. They went on a hot streak, and then we had uh, – controversy is probably the wrong word, but some drama a little bit out, uh, out, out in Vegas with uh, how the, the first game ended out there. And then Zach Preece being um, a healthy scratch for the Wednesday rematch. Um, I guess, talk me through how that all unfolded uh, in, in your, you know, from your coverage perspective and, you know, kind of where, I guess the importance in particular too of, of Monday's win, given, given the drama that, that happened last week. You know what? It was uh, obviously to hear Zach explain it. It was all about the shift at the end of that game in Vegas um, that, you know, obviously Vegas tied the game late and then won five, four in overtime. Uh, the way he explained it is, you know, he was on the ice with Marcus Foligno. He was trying to get Foligno an empty net goal. That would have been Foligno's first career hat trick if he scored into an empty net goal. Uh, but that bona fide chance never came about. And so Felino went for a line change and, and Zach Prize did it. He said he didn't think it was a good idea for him to change. So he stayed out there. 
obviously the wild gets hemmed in its own zone. Um, and actually, you know, it, it really magnified Parise's presence on the ice because the puck ended up deflecting off his stick um, before the game, you know, before the game tying goal. Um, he got a piece of it, you know, Vegas put it towards the net and it was in the back of the net. So it was that, you know, hyperextended shift um, that led to the benching, you know, especially in late game situations. And even I think throughout games, we've kind of been able to detect that, um, you know, fresh legs, fresh bodies, short shifts is a real mantra of this team under coach Dean Evison. You see it on the penalty kill. Um, you know, really doesn't matter who's out there. They have their, their, your two forwards and they're constantly rotating after getting clears. Um, it, it's, just the way that this team clearly wants to play is to be fresh and um, a shift over a minute and a half obviously doesn't fall into that. Um, and he was punished for it. And so um, it's probably a decision that stands out because we don't usually see that. We don't usually see, you know, the star or the leader type players um, always atone for gaffes and mistakes like that, but he did. And I think it really, kind of hammered home this philosophical shift or this evolution that we're seeing with the wild. And, and it started, you know, when Bill Guerin took over and we've, we've seen the roster turnover, but um, I think it really underscores the fact that no one is bigger than the team. This is about the team. And I think I've said on here before, like you, you hear it in Evison's messaging um, you know, he isn't one to single out players and he isn't one to, you know, obviously gloss over team accomplishments rather than like what individuals are doing. Um, clearly, you know, that's tough when you do have individual players playing right. very well. Like there are key players on this lineup, make no mistake. Um, but it is very much about the team. And I think that just underscored that. And this is a shift for this organization. Um, it is a new lineup. It is a new roster. It is a new coach. And, you know, this we before me mentality really seems to be at the heart of that. And I think that decision to scratch Parise just completely underscored that and made it clear, you know, what the ideology of this organization wants it to be. Marcus Foligno talked a little bit about that earlier on the podcast about how, you know, that does it put you on your toes a little bit as a player to see that that can happen to someone like Zach Parise? Yeah, it, it does. Um, do you sense that this is a hundred percent in the rearview mirror? Like they, they've, I know Dean Evison said we had a good meeting. We moved on. You feel like this is a non-story at this point, uh, particularly after Monday's win, or do you feel like there's still kind of behind the scenes talk about, wow, that, that really happened. And this has implications going forward. I think as far as a lineup, you know, how the team's playing, I think they've moved on, you know, Zach Parise is back in the lineup. He's been back in the lineup. Um, you know, I, I know Evison has been, you know, talking encouragingly about the way that Parise has been playing. He helped set up a goal in Arizona. Um, I think he feels he's on the right track to sort of, you know, rectify his season because it has been a very uneven season for Parise as a whole. I think the benching was just kind of a microcosm of what's gone wrong this season for, for Parise. So I think in that regard, like he's back in the lineup, he's here. Um, but do, is there a lingering effect from like, you know, an aftershock of, from a, that type of decision? I mean, you just said it, players are aware now players know, um, you know, very much so that, you know, your decisions are being looked at and scrutinized and, you know, you have to play for the better of the team and, um, you know, not always, you know, 
be more mindful of that than, you know, maybe going for an empty net goal or, um, you know, extending shifts. I, I just think that's obviously very clear now on, on the radar, but lineup wise, he's been back in there. I think they've made adjustments around him, putting him with Kevin Piala. Um, we've seen the centers rotate. So I think they're still obviously trying to find that chemistry and mix, but he's in the lineup. And so I, from that regard, I think it's been, you know, full steam ahead. The, you know, the hiccup in Vegas was basically one of the only interruptions in what has been a really good stretch for them. I believe they're now what eight, two and one, maybe in their last 11, including the win over, uh, over Vegas in the, you know, in the rematch back, back at XL Energy Center Monday, they play again Wednesday night now against Vegas and these kind of pairing of games we're seeing all season long. A lot of that good work done by Capo Kakinen, who was in the net again for that two, nothing shutout Monday what uh, what can you tell me about the emergence of of him? He's a he's a rookie. Obviously, we saw a little taste of him last season. But you know, where do you think they are in terms of how their confidence level in him and and how we might see him deployed now that Cam Talbot is back and healthy and and you know how that mix goes uh, in, in you know at least in the near term. You know, it has probably made the organization take a look at its goaltending long-term, maybe sooner than, than, than they thought. You know, I, I think initially the thought process was, you know, maybe Capo would get some time in the NHL this season, but it was Cam Talbot, number one, Alex Daylock, number two. Like that was, that was the plan. Obviously that changed with, with Staylock in the COVID protocols and um, being out so long open the door for Kakinen to get this time with the NHL squad. And he just ran with it, you know, like the injury to Cam Talbot gave him, you know, steady reps. He took advantage of that. Um, Talbot going into the COVID protocols again, gave him probably more minutes and games than he would have, you know, otherwise seen. And he just, wins he just finds a way to to backstop this team to success and you know I, I I think it's kind of been that staircase though I mean he's put the time in in the minors you, you know he was the he's the reigning AHL you know goalie of the year he has the accolades so he's put his time in um, and sometimes you just need that opening and he's taken advantage of it I think what you know really could kind of point to some long-term success and again perhaps you know a debate about you know is he for sure number one? When can he take over full time? Um, I, I think, you know, what's important when you look at that question is the fact that the style he plays does seem very sustainable in the sense that, um, you know, this isn't a goalie on a, you know, on a run playing well because he's diving everywhere and it's highlight reel saves and he's playing out of his mind to get results. He is very economical. He is very poised. He's, you know, tends to be in the right place at the right time, which is a goalie. When you want pucks to hit you, that's half the battle. So I think the fact that he plays a way that I think steadies a team, gives a team confidence. Um, you don't have to worry about him, you know, um, flopping around and, and trying to make saves reactively. Um, you know, I, I think that bodes well for his future. And like I said, it probably makes the organization examine the hierarchy maybe a little sooner than they thought. Cam Talbot's on a three-year contract, um, was brought in to be the number one. But I think now the question is at some point during that lifespan, 
um, you know, does Kakanen, you know, exceed him? And, and, and you know, does, does the partnership turn? And he's maybe now supporting Kakanen's development. I think that's a question that obviously doesn't need to be answered now. Um, both goalies are essential in this 56-game sprint to the finish line. I think we're going to continue to see a rotation. But it's probably, you know, a question that gets looked at um, maybe next season, probably definitely the season after, if these two are still obviously the tandem that the team is relying on. The head coach seems to look seems to like steady play in general. And every time I look up, he's saying something nice about uh, Capo. Does that have you picked up on that? I'm, I'm sure you have. You're in way more of these zooms than I am. But have you picked up on the head coach seems to like this goalie uh, in particular? I, I think, you know, the praise is, is just, it's warranted. Like, you know, I, I think that the setting too, you know, hockey so much, I think is about getting an opportunity and getting that chance to show what you have. Um, you know, when, when, especially the spots like a goalie, you know, they're so limited. There's not five starting pitchers, you know, there's not, there's not that type of depth necessarily that we see in other sports. So um, for a goalie, so much it is about opportunity. And I think anytime, you know, a team, an organization, a coach sees someone take advantage, um, you know, I think it's worth acknowledging and what he's doing and, and, you know, leading this team and backstopping this team. Um, it's not like he's had to come in and play savior goaltending hasn't been an issue this season for this team. Like when Cam Talbot's been in there, he's been steady as well. So to just kind of continue that as a 24 year old rookie, you know, I think it is complimentary and, you know, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, as this team gets closer to trying to solidify a playoff spot, um, if he can keep it up and if the team continues to kind of feed off that energy, that steadiness, um, and you know, so far it's working. And I think that's been, that's obviously was an area the team tried to address in the off season. Um, Devin Dubnik was traded. Cam Talbot was brought in. Um, even the goaltending coach changed. So this was definitely like on the checklist of, you know, areas to fix and address. And so far it's worked out for them. Last thing for you. Um, even with all the good we've seen, a lot of balanced scoring, um, a lot of wins lately, the power play remains a bit of a mystery. Is it was it five for seventy four now, and then on a pretty negative uh, over streak? I think I saw a stat the other day that they're actually scoring, you know, on a per minute basis more on five on five than they are in power plays, which should never happen. If if they can figure this out, first of all, can they figure this out? And and B if they can get this into at least an average power play, how much more dangerous can they be? It is so baffling because the personnel, like you said, that thrives at five on five is struggling to take advantage when they have an extra player on the ice. Like it really can be mind boggling that it's been this much of a struggle. Um, you know, I, I think obviously the personnel is there to figure this out because these are the players that are scoring you know, like I said, at even strength, Kevin Fiala, Kirill Kaprizov, Matt Zuccarello, these are the offensive starters and they prove that they can do that. So I don't, I don't think there's too much of a concern with who they are deploying. Um, most times, you know, maybe not Monday's game, but most times they haven't really had trouble getting into the zone, setting up. Um, they've had really good puck movement, but it really has just been that execution, that finishing it off. Um, you know, clearly after what happened in Monday night's game where they did look a little bit more disorganized, they had trouble off the faceoffs, they had trouble just gaining the possession. That stuff needs to improve. But if it gets back to how the team has looked, you know, for most of this season, it really just comes down to execution. And so, you know, maybe it is 
trying to get a little bit more gritty. Maybe it's not the pretty plays. Maybe it is loading up the middle of the ice with a Marcus Foligno or a Jordan Greenway and trying to, you know, these are players who get used on the power play, but really trying to work the scheme. So it is a gritty, dirty type goal in front where it's a rebound and there's just traffic and bodies. Um, maybe it is something as simple as, as trying to focus on that because all the other pieces seem to be there. And, you know, I think right now the goaltending, obviously the five on five scoring is kind of glossing over and making it so this isn't an eyesore, but you're right. Like if these games get tighter and we do start to see more two, nothing one, you know, one, nothing three, two type games and the power play doesn't step up it could really start to cost the same points and really determine, you know, where it falls in the standings down the stretch. So it's an issue. Um, I still think there's time though, for the while to figure it out. Sarah always writes like she's on the power play, read her stuff on star tribune, star tribune.com. Sarah McClellan. Thanks again for joining me here today on daily delivery. Thank you. Let's end things with the cooler. It would not be the Vikings if they were not searching for yet another kicker. Dan Bailey released on Tuesday. I've got a couple, I don't know if they're fun facts, but I've got a couple facts for you guys that uh, you can interpret one of two ways. So overall, in the non-playoff years under Mike Zimmer, Vikings kickers have gone 90 for 120 on field goal attempts. That's 75%. That's not good in this modern era of football. It's well below the average. Overall, in the three playoff years under Zimmer, their field goal kickers have gone 93 for 106 on field goals, 87.7%. All of those playoff years were odd years, of course, 2015, 17, and 19. The non-playoff years were even years, 2014, 2016, 2018, 2020. What does that all mean? Well, one of two things, I guess. Either A, uh, when there's drama and the Vikings are losing, Kicking is a big part of it. Uh, I think it was in 2020 for sure. I think 2018, you could make that case. 2016, you could certainly make that case. Or you could also make the case that there's some weird, odd, even mojo going on and something good is about to happen, guys, in 2021. Interpret it however you will. You're a Vikings fan, so you're probably going to interpret the negative, but, uh, but, but those are just the facts that I'm laying out for you right now. That'll do it for today. Thanks for listening to Daily Delivery. Download this podcast, subscribe, write a review. We'll be back at it on Thursday. Chris Hine from the Star Tribune expected to be on to set up the second half of the Timberwolves season. And, of course, I'll be watching to see what happens Wednesday night with the Gophers men's basketball team as well. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you tomorrow.